Welcome to the System Hub Podcast. Hola. Konnichiwa. Guten Tag. Where we interview world-class experts. You have to have a lot of passion for what you're doing. I was fanatical in my 20s. If you could find a way to produce a business that works without you, your life would change like that. Extracting, organizing, and optimizing their best systems and processes for rapid business growth. Now, let's get into the show. Welcome back to the Business Systems Summit. And in our next session, we've got Natasha Hawker. Her company is Employee Matters, and she runs that business with her business partner and also husband, Mark, and has done so for the last five years. And they've got nine employees. And they've got clients worldwide. And basically what they do is they help small and medium-sized businesses hire better staff, manage them better, and then also, if required, exit them. Uh, So she's been in this space for over 23 years and been in loads of different publications, even written a book called uh, From Hire to Fire and Everything in Between. Uh, Personally, she's hired, managed and fired over 15,000 employees and we were introduced by a mutual friend of mine, Dale Beaumont, and I was chatting with him and I said, oh, look, we've got a little bit of a a pocket here where we need to try and get a strong female presenter to talk on some HR topics and that's when he recommended Natasha. So did a little bit of research and and she's a perfect fit. So firstly, Natasha, just like to welcome you to the summit. Thanks for that, David. It's lovely to be here. I'm, I'm in good company. I know some of the other presenters. Ah, yes, it's all coming together quite well. And this session as well looks particularly interesting because I've not really seen it covered in this way. And I think when it comes to you're going to share a system for the way that you can performance manage or exit a staff member if they're not the right fit, which is a very needed process or system inside of a business because oftentimes it's it's very badly managed. So I'm excited to have you take us through that process and I'll hand over to you and if it's all right with you, I'll just kind of chime in if I've got any questions as we go. That's absolutely fine. And you're right, this is, it's so interesting just quickly by a backstory. I struggled to own this space when I first moved into doing this because, and you'll hear some of my backstory later, but it's something that has to be done. And and uh, when you and I caught up, I thought this was the perfect one because it's the one everybody wants to avoid. And so giving people some content on this, I think will be really helpful. So let's kick off, David, and see whether we can help our people better at this. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening to you wherever you are listening uh, to this webinar, how to exit someone who's not performing. Today, we're going to talk about a topic, and I just touched on it a little bit then, that typically makes most people feel quite uncomfortable. It can be considered taboo or can actually make some people feel physically sick and can also make some of you cry out in frustration or maybe even fill you with dread. But I believe as a manager or a business owner, you must develop this skill. It's an essential skill because if you haven't had to exit someone yet, it's highly likely that you're going to need to at some point. So it's a skill that everyone can develop so that you can do this legally, professionally, and even sensitively. So by way of an example, if you use the current salary in Australia of $60,000 per annum, which is roughly the average salary at the moment, and you're paying yourself about $50 per hour and you unfairly dismiss someone, you may find yourself with costs and fines in the vicinity of it and wait for it, $49,700. It's a lot of money. So you do need to learn this. But don't worry, we're going to teach you how to do some of that. So let's jump into the presentation. So a little bit about me. I am the founder and director of Employee Matters, an employee relations company, and I am an employee expert. I specialize in helping small businesses create exceptional performance through their employees, think employment contracts, policies, recruitment and terminations. At Employee Matters, we're great at helping business owners who have limited time and money hire great people and just as importantly fire non-performers. I have been in this field, as uh, David mentioned, for 23 years, both nationally and internationally, including 12 years at Accenture, one of the top global management consulting firms. I'm routinely featured in the Sydney Morning Herald, the Australian Fin Review and the Huffington Post, and I'm a regular writer for Flying Solo and her business. I have been nominated for Telstra Businesswoman of the Year, and believe it or not, and I, when I did this calculation, I did get a few more grey hairs. I have managed and hired and, and, and fired over 15,000 employees. Now, I truly believe that small business owners are the hardest working people in Australia who are typically trying to do the right thing, but I see too many business owners receiving significant fines for illegally firing 
employees. And I believe it's a fact of life that you are going to have to fire someone at some point and you need to understand the legal frameworks and constraints that you work in. So quick one, a little bit about my style. I am passionate. I do. I am a HR nerd or an employee nerd and I love my subject. So I do tend to get excited. And when I do get excited, David, tell me to slow down. But by the same token, I do want to put as much value into this session for the people who are listening. And so I'm going to share some real life case studies and some examples to help you learn. But also as I'm packing as much value in, there's still a lot more that you may need. So if you are interested at the end, I'll show you a way that you might be able to get some more help if you need it. So I'm going to share some really good stuff which could potentially save you and I'm not overestimating here thousands and thousands of dollars. So what I would love for you to do is make the most of your investment of your time with David and I. Grab a cup of tea or coffee, grab a pen and paper and take lots of notes and you know just get some value out of this. So a little bit about my story. I thought it might be useful to share a little bit about my background and why I feel I need to share this content with you guys. On the 4th of September 2001, and I ask you all and some of you younger ones may not be as aware of this and I'm guessing some of you will remember that date very well. I actually transferred to the London office of a large professional services firm as their HR manager for about 500 people and smack bang into needing to make about 50 people redundant. I'd hardly put my feet down in in this brand new country where I was unfamiliar with the employment law legislation and I was about to get rid of 50 people. And in the process, lucky me, I actually acquired from the partners a new nickname, which was the Angel of Death. Imagine, I'd just arrived. I'd never completed a redundancy in the UK. I was single. I was actually looking for friends. And being the newly appointed Angel of Death was not going to help my cause. Mm. So the couple of things you might be interested in, David, that legally in the UK, the partner of that business had to have the conversation with the employee and they needed to follow a very carefully crafted script to actually make the redundancy legal. But despite many of these partners literally being rocket scientists, you know, they had brains the size of the earth, they found those conversations extremely difficult and extremely challenging, especially when an employee got angry or silent or cried or even worse, literally begged for their job. So what I realized at that time and going through that process was I actually had a gift for having these conversations. I could facilitate these conversations to be not only legal, professional, but empathetic. And I could also help not only the employee, but also coach the partner through that having that difficult conversation, enabling them to deliver that message consistently well. Now, this wasn't something that I desperately wanted to do when I grew up, but I do know now that I can help people and the reality is that these conversations do need to happen and I would encourage small business owners that, that many of them need to have conversations, difficult conversations more often. But not only that, as tough as these conversations are, they can be done well, they can be done legally, they can be done empathetically and they can help you grow your business. And even better everyone on this call can actually learn how to do this better, how they can accept people from their business without getting sued. So I just thought that was helpful in terms of providing some context, David, as to why I think I've got some stuff to share here. Yeah, it makes sense. Okay, but I want to think about it from your story. You know, when you think about performance management or having that difficult conversation or exiting people from your business, I expect that many of you might feel or think that you have a lack of time. So you always put other priorities above that. You lack the knowledge to have these conversations. You're frightened of getting a call or an email from Fair Work and you don't know what you don't know. And I think many of you believe, and, and in some ways you're actually on onto it here, is that the laws are so biased towards the employee that it's almost impossible to exit anyone from your business. There are some constraints there, but I would encourage you that, yes, you can. Uh, you just need to do it carefully. So what I know you actually want, though, is you want to be stress-free. You don't want the employee headaches. I think there's a quick survey that's done every year, Mind Your Own Business, that says the two things that keep business owners awake at night is cash flow and employees. And I would even go so far as to say, I have a client who told me, Natasha, having a business would be so much fun if I didn't have employees. And I don't think she's alone. I think a lot of business owners feel that way. 
But also, I know what you guys want. You want to have a fast-growing business. You want to have a high-performing team. You want to have the knowledge and the ability to sleep well at night that you are compliant and have the conversation, rather the confidence to have this conversation with ease when you need to. But I think for most of you, what you really want is relief, relief from the stress that having employees can actually bring and having a successful business can bring. But, you know, let's all face it, that's not too much to ask. We work very hard on our businesses and and we don't want much. We want that. And that's fair enough too. So let's keep going. We want to talk about, so what are some of the problems that I find in, in all my interactions with business owners? Number one is you're scared of getting sued because you don't have the information and you know about the high numbers being hauled in front of the work commission at the moment. And you have a right to be worried. More SMEs are attending the commission than ever before and more than corporates. And that makes sense because when you think about it, as a big business, you have access to HR departments and access to legal advice. In one quarter last year, there were over 3,500 unfair dismissal cases lodged in Australia, and over 57% of those cases had a finding that the termination was unfair and therefore illegal against the employer. So we're not getting this right. Secondly, we're often called in to help with a non-performing employee, but the thing that makes me really sad is I often say to the business owner, so how long, I always use George, so I apologize for anyone on the call that's called George, but so how long has George not been performing and how frequently we get the response, oh, about five years. Hmm. And it just drives me mad, David, because imagine what that loss of productivity has cost that business, not only from George, but also from the other employees who are frustrated at what they see George is able to get away with. And so that impacts team morale massively, and it also impacts their vision of you as a leader. I often say large corporates can afford non-performance performers. It doesn't mean they should have them, but they can afford them, but SMEs can't. And so you need to get good at it. And thirdly, Many clients are still under the false impression that it's three strikes and you're out, but that's not the case. And the reason why many SMEs, and I think this is an absolutely fundamental point for your listeners to take away, the reason why you want to fire someone is actually valid and reasonable, but the process that you follow is where you come unstuck. And unfortunately, ignorance is not a defense. Let me just change sides there. So essentially what you're frightened of is getting sued and having to pay out huge dollars. Now, what I'd like to share with you is if you assume, again, we go back to that average salary rate of about $60,000, you could be looking to pay out about $30,000 in fines for breaches. So it's not an insignificant amount of money. But what do you want? I think what most people want is not to get sued and who doesn't want to not get sued? And let's face it, it's time consuming, it's expensive and it's not good PR. And most of your listeners would be aware of the recent 7-Eleven case where Fair Work Australia slammed 7-Eleven franchisees for deliberately falsifying records amid reports that the convenience store giant could have to pay up to $100 million in unpaid wages to thousands of past and also present employees. You want to feel empowered. Uh, Last week, I spoke with a client who's considering taking on her first employee and she wanted this employee to basically come in and help her grow her business. But she said all the employee relations stuff that she needed to know literally made her feel sick. Now, my view is information is power and you can terminate non-performers and make employees redundant once you know how. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And the last point here is once you've learnt this skill, you'll be able to manage with confidence, knowing that what you can do and when and how to do it. And employees won't be able to distract you from your legal rights as a business owner to exit employees that are not a fit for your business. What we do know, though, and I always say this, this is one of my um, trademark sayings, I believe your employees are your greatest asset, but also potentially your greatest liability. Businesses that build high-performing, low-maintenance teams reap the financial rewards. And I'd love everybody to just think for a minute what kind of business you have. So what I think would be really helpful right now is to just 
do a couple of definitions on what we're talking about here because there are different ways you can be a non-performer. The first way is what we call non-performance. And this is where, David, the employee is not performing adequately in their role. They may not have the skill level that you were expecting when you hired them based on their interview, or they may have moved into a different role that they're actually unable to perform even after they've been in that role for a reasonable time to learn that. The second one is called misconduct. Misconduct is where the employee has an inappropriate attitude or approach or is regularly late for work or is taking excessive sick days without any backup, any doctor's certificate. And the last one is called gross misconduct. Gross misconduct is where an employee has verbally or physically assaulted someone or has committed fraud. That is at the the far end of the spectrum and you can actually terminate without notice but just and we're not going to go into this today but for anyone who has anyone in that space you have to conduct a legal investigation into that or an independent investigation to determine because they do have rights around innocent until proven guilty and so on so if anyone is in that space make sure you conduct that independent investigation to to uh, ensure whether that on the balance of probability that gross misconduct did happen And if we get time at the end, David, I'll give you a great example of that. Okay, let's move on. So why do we end up with non-performers? I think there are a couple of reasons. The first one is candidate skills are not assessed effectively. This is one of the core skills a business owner has to have, but most of us have never been taught how to do this. So we don't know how to, which is our second point here, interview effectively. We most The most common mistake I see all the time, David, is that the interviewer talks 80% of the time and listens 20% of the time. And then they wonder why they get a surprise package when that person turns up to work and, and they can't do what you thought they could do. Or they talk too much at the beginning and give away all the information on the job and the business. So what they get back is just paraphrased back what they've just been told. The third reason here is that the employee doesn't actually have a job description. And whilst I know a lot of small businesses like, we don't want to be corporate, we don't want to have all those constraints, but if you don't communicate effectively what that person's job is, how can you expect them to do it? And that's a common problem. So you need to not only have a job description, but make sure as the business evolves and as that role evolves, that that job description changes. The fourth reason here is the manager just doesn't communicate effectively. This is one of my bugbears. I think we often call people a manager and in actual fact, to manage a team, let's say a team of five, that actually takes a lot of your time during the week and it will take more of your time if you've got a more junior team or a a more where their development is at the lower end of the spectrum. But you need to communicate very effectively what you want, what success looks like. And to my fifth point there, the manager doesn't often provide timely or frank feedback. They'll just avoid it, sweep it under the carpet, and then the problem gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then you have to have one of those really difficult conversations. And that leads nicely into the sixth point. Uh, That subpar performance is not dealt with effectively. And what that means is often a client, when we've gone in, they'll say, no one ever told me I wasn't doing a good job. Why hasn't anyone ever said anything? And so it becomes a real shock to that individual. And that's unfair. You know, I I always say when anyone is about to go into one of those difficult conversations as an employee, they should see it coming. They should never see that as a shock to the system. So let's jump into what are some of the steps you you need to take. And this is around the build up to it, not the actual performance management discussion. So this is sort of like a great checkpoint to make sure all these things are happening in your business. So the first thing is managing, managing performance in general. Number one, what evidence do you have? Do you have error rates? Do you have recorded calls you can listen back to? Have you had to repeat the same instructions again and again and again? The second one is, have your expectations been stated? Have you actually told them what you expect? Have you told them what success looks like? Have you told them what mediocre looks like? Have you told them what poor performance looks like? I think, David, one of the challenges I see is everybody's got onto the culture bandwagon, and I'm so pleased for that because I love culture. But Often it's lip service and you need to make sure that culture is infused through every process that you undertake in your business. It's infused through your recruitment process. It's infused through your feedback and your reporting process. And often that's not happening. 
Number three, does your employee know that they're not performing? That's to my point before. Do you think that they do know? And and my view is most people can pretty accurately identify where they fit in the pecking order. If you ask 10 people in office who's the star, they'll almost always pick the same person. They do they do understand and, and see what good performance looks like. And number four, have you communicated that they're not meeting expectations? Have you actually told them that you need to have a difficult conversation with them? So step five is have you confirmed the expected performance levels? And this can look like the job description. Also, KPIs are a great thing. People sometimes do the KPIs, but the KPIs in this instance I'm talking about is key performance indicators. Have you actually pointed out what success looks like. How many calls do they have to make a day? How many conversions do they have to make? How many parts do they have to build? The next one here is, are these performance levels reasonable? And this is a classic. And often this happens when somebody gets somebody they know is not a performer, but they don't actually like them. They actually give them a separate set of criteria compared to everyone else. So you can't say George needs to build 20 widgets, but everyone else in the team who has the same level of experience and the same pay has to build 10 because that would be deemed unreasonable. You need to ask why the performance is subpar. There may be a valid reason. It may be just a blip. For example, the employee's sick or they've got significant financial worries. Just a quick statistic for your team. At the moment in Australia, 38% of people have significant financial personal worries. So you can't tell me that doesn't come to the office. It has to come to the office and show up when they're distracted about their credit card bill being maxed out and their mortgage payment coming. So you need to to see whether there's a a valid reason for the non-performance or the dip. And the other thing that you need to do is if you're having one of these difficult conversations is have a support person. And I've got a whole slide on this, so we'll go into that in a little bit more detail. And then the last two steps are, did you ask whether there are any extenuating circumstances actually specifically? You know, is there a sick mother or husband? Are they suffering from a mental illness? One in four people in Australia suffer from a mental illness at some point during their life. And if that happens, that gets a little bit more complex because then it's an illness. So it needs to be managed very carefully. And the last one is, did you arrange for additional training to adjust the performance levels up? You need to make every effort to train the individual in the role. You can't just throw them in the seat and expect them to learn by accident. You need to actively do this. So I was just going to double check. So it feels like that that really is the first step, the prep, those first 10 steps or, or bullets that you've gone through. It's kind of like under that step one, just to make sure that have you at least got the right foundation in place. Yeah, you're absolutely right, David. That gives us the sense of, and I would encourage everybody, that's the first bit. If you get all this stuff right, then if you go into that performance management scenario, you're going to have a much stronger case because you've got the foundation steps right. Perfect. So that helps. So let's talk about support persons. The support role is a critical role in the process and this is where the majority of businesses are unaware of their legal obligations here and this needs to be offered to an employee. So legally you need to offer an employee going through any of the following conversations, be it a redundancy conversation, a restructure, a performance management conversation or a misconduct conversation. You need to offer them a support person. Now this is because that having these conversations is not only difficult for you but believe me and I have actually been on the other side as well they're difficult for the employee as well they're often ambushed they had no understanding of why they're coming to a meeting only that they suspect it's not going to be good news and this allows for you as the business owner to meet the test of unfair dismissal so the test is is the termination harsh unjust or unreasonable That's the test you're trying to meet and prove and uh, providing a support uh, person meets the harsh test. So what if, though, your employee refuses the offer of the support person? Well, I would try and find out the reason for that. Is it because they don't have anyone available at that time? They may be embarrassed too, not really. There's only going to be a few close friends that you're going to want to bring to a meeting to hear you're not doing your job well. Mm. And if this is the case, you should offer to reschedule the meeting to a more suitable time. And if the individual is positive that they don't want a support person, then I would encourage you, and this is a great tip, to get 
get them to sign a document that they've waived this right. And if they're not prepared to sign anything, then just note this in your documentation as an outcome. A support person was offered to George. George refused this. I asked him to sign it. He wasn't prepared to sign it. So I'm signing that that's what was happened in the meeting. Mm-hmm. And the other thing to think about here is when you're looking at having one of these conversations, you should advise the employee that they have the right to bring a support person. So that's when you're setting up the meeting. And if they would like to bring someone along, they need to tell you who's coming prior to the meeting. Now, who can be a support person? The best people are a family member or friend. Often we've had clients where they're more junior people and they've brought their mum along or their dad along. It could be another employee from the office. It could be a union representative or delegate, but you hope that's not the case, although they know how to behave in these meetings. And it also could be a lawyer. But at the beginning of the meeting, I would recommend that you explain the role of the support person, especially if it's a family member or other friend, because they may not have been in this, the, the lawyers and the union reps will know. But their job is quite clear. The support person is there to provide emotional support to the employee, to take notes during the meeting, to assist in the discussion, especially if the employee is from non-English speaking background. But they cannot, David, and I need to really state this firmly, they cannot advocate on behalf of the employee and they cannot voice their own opinions. They're purely there as a support person. So there's a lot in that and most business owners don't know support persons is a requirement. So let's talk about what some of the steps are. There are a couple of steps and people get these mixed up. So performance management covers, the first one is the counselling meeting. So performance management covers counselling and warnings and also the option for training and additional support. So what does this mean? Essentially, counselling is usually takes place at the start of the process and it may develop into a more formal process. But it's often, David, when the performance issues are relatively minor, such as being late for work a couple of times or missing a few deadlines. But after a counselling session, the employer should review the performance of the employee. And it's quite normal for counselling sessions to occur a couple of times before you move into a more formal warning stage. And it's very sensible though, still a big one here, documentation, make a file note of the sessions that you've had, because then if it goes the whole way, you've got lots of little examples of counselling sessions, building up, building up, and then moving into a more of a performance management scenario. The second one is around warnings. And warnings is where the performance issue is considered to be more serious in nature. It's recommended that all warnings are documented, whether the warning is written or verbal, and there's no limit to the number of warnings that must be given, only that the process is fair. So, for example, I often use, you know, if you say to someone who's a waitress, can you carry that cup of tea to that table without slopping it all over the saucer, what's reasonable? I would say a day to get that is reasonable. But you can't say to a business owner who's used to billing $40,000 in fees a month that they have to suddenly do $100,000 because you're obviously deliberately trying to trip them up. So it just needs to be fair. And what that enables you to do is to reduce the likelihood that an unconsidered process took place. So, But it is imperative, and this is another big one to take a note of, that prior to the final warning and potential termination meeting, David, that the employee can be in no doubt of the seriousness of their situation and that termination could be an outcome. There is no way they should walk out of that and say, I had no idea I was going to get fired just then. So, so these couple of steps here, this is almost potentially potentially almost like step two that that step one was to make sure that you had all of the right foundations in place step two is to make sure and it's kind of tied with step one but to give the opportunity clearly communicate let them know what's going on and this is all happening prior to the next step which would be then to actually have one of those meetings where you would need the support person Absolutely. So what we're doing here, this is the structure at a high level, and I'm Mm -hmm. actually going to go through and take you through step by step how to have that performance management meeting. The last two here, and I've got one on the screen and one's a a bonus, but the last one here is it's imperative that further training or support has been offered, and this uncovers additional potentially external training, David, or having a mentor allocated 
or and there's some way that there's regular feedback on performance and that we don't want there to be any issue here that we have to give them some space if it's due to an illness or somebody being critically ill in the, in the family and it's only after all of those things have been exhausted that the employer can lawfully consider a potential termination there is an there is one caveat here there is one other option which is to instigate a without prejudice conversation so without prejudice means under the cone of silence that's off the record and essentially what you would need to do is you have what we call a mutual separation discussion and it basically goes along the lines of George you and I without prejudice conversation you and I both know this isn't working out we can go down the performance management route, but I think it's better for both of us that we part ways now. But I'm going to make that worth your while to part way and I'm going to pay you an ex gratia payment to make you go quietly and quickly. But you must have them sign a deed of release. It's a great option when you're happy to pay a bit more money for it and you want it to happen quickly. But there are some legal pieces that deed of release must be sorted by a lawyer because that basically instigates the fact that they cannot take any further legal action against you. So it's an important one. So let's talk about scripting the meeting or the conversation. So you need to explain at the beginning of the meeting the purpose of the meeting and the roles of each of the participants. For example, the note taker is only there to document the meeting. The support person is there for support and can clarify questions or understanding, but they're not able to defend or respond on behalf of the employee. Secondly, you need to walk through each of the performance issues, giving the employee a chance to respond to each concern. And where appropriate, you should provide evidence of the current performance level being achieved. So for example, talk about the number of breakages or the sales results or the number of calls taken. And ask the employee whether they can think of anything that would assist them to improve their performance. Consider all requests and then confirm what's possible and what's reasonable. That doesn't mean you have to do everything that they say, but you do have to be seen to consider it. You should explain the length of the level of performance required and also confirm the timelines for them to be reached and ask the employee, have they got anything to add? And I've added here practice. You should script this conversation and practice it with someone else before you do it. We used to get, when, when I was being taught this, we used to get actors in to play the roles of what a reaction would be from a potential employee mm. and it's fabulous because they are good and they give you a hard time but sometimes that's what happens so it's good and the last thing here is you just need to at the end of the meeting summarize the outcomes of the meeting and the next steps and if the next meeting is termination as a potential outcome then you must state that possibility so you must say George please note that at our next meeting on the 10th of June if all of these performance levels have not been met your role and your job is at risk of termination. You are at risk of termination. So George is under no illusion that that's not a possibility. So let's go into the detail. This is how you prepare for a performance management meeting. I'm going to run this through from top to bottom, and I would suggest it's really important you get this. I have put a bit more detail on this slide just because there's a lot of content we're going to go through, but it is really important. So the first one is ensure you're prepared. Ensure all the paperwork has been completed as much as it can be prior to the meeting. So you will spend probably two or three times the length of the meeting in preparation just to give you a rule of thumb there. Plan the meeting, have notes to guide you, have a script. Don't be afraid to say, George, I just need to check my notes here. I want to make sure we've covered everything that I plan to. And ideally have a scribe, have someone in there to take your notes. Ensure that you've booked a quiet private meeting space. The last thing we want here, David, is a goldfish bowl, middle of the office where everyone can see what's going on. That's not fair, that's not reasonable and that would be deemed to be harsh. But also be sensitive. Make sure you have tissues discreetly available as these meetings can be incredibly emotional for people. And if the employee does get upset, pause. Give them a moment to pull themselves together and then ask them whether they're ready to continue. And that can be awkward. Just silence is the best thing to do when that happens. Book a meeting prior, you know, when you're arranging this, you need to book the meeting with the individual stating that it is to discuss their performance and that they're welcome to bring a support person along. Now, at this point, they normally want to get into the what's that about. And, and at that point, you have to hold the line and say, we'll discuss everything with you, George, in the meeting, but we would like you to bring a support person along and see whether they've got somebody that can come back to you. They're not going to know instantly who their support person is going to be. 
And then at the meeting, you need to explain the purpose of the meeting, the roles of everybody, and make sure that everybody's clear on what they can and can't do in that meeting. The next step is to walk through each of the performance issues, giving the employee a chance to respond to each. This is another one of those tests, David. Was it harsh, unfair or unreasonable? You can't just go, here are all my problems, sort it. You need to go, here are my issues. Do you have a response for that? Do you have an excuse for that? What's your thinking? And where appropriate, provide that evidence. But if they do want, if they do have suggestions, you need to consider all those requests and let them get back to them. It may not be in that meeting. It might be after that meeting. Get back to them with what uh, you're able to do. Step seven is explain the required level of performance and confirm the time frame. So this is along the lines of, right, we need 20 widgets made by the end of the month. So it's very clear. It needs to be smart goals, smart, measurable, and so on. Ask the employee if they have anything else to add. And you may ask that a couple of times just to try and dig down. Obviously, at this point, they're feeling bruised. They're feeling emotional. They're probably feeling like they're being attacked. You may need to try a couple of times to ask the same question to get a result. And then next thing is summarise all the meeting outcomes and the next steps. And as we said, if it is termination, you need to let them know. You would probably follow up with some written documentation after this meeting, David, So, and then get the minutes of that countersigned. And if the individual is not prepared to sign them, again, just note that for the record. So let's talk about the emotional side. One thing that I have learnt is that from all of my experience is to actually expect the unexpected. Um, some employees cry, some will be angry, some will be silent. I remember one of the redundancy conversations that I had in the UK where one of the managers we just made redundant leapt of her chair, absolutely thrilled to bits. And when I asked her why she was so happy, she said she had been unhappy in her role for a long time and she actually was about to resign. And she was planning on doing her MBA and guess what? We just paid for her MBA. And she was absolutely ecstatic. So you don't always know what you're going to get. But make sure you have those tissues discreetly placed and remain calm. Give people those that time to gather themselves. And then if it's really, really tough going, make an offer to have a short break and just meet back in 15 minutes or uh, half an hour, go and grab some lunch and we'll meet back at this time and then give them an offer to regroup. Again, you would meet that test of was it harsh, unreasonable or unfair. So a quick case study. This is a really good story. One of our clients had to have a very difficult performance management discussion, but the employee was very likely to be litigious and the boss knew that. But not only that, the, the boss and this employee had been great mates. They'd even been to each other's wedding, but it had, the, it had soured since then and the employee was really not performing. And our client was really scared and they were actually quite nervous about having this conversation because of that history. So what we did was we shared a script with her and we actually coached her through those. We role-played it and practiced that to prepare her. And then we gave her the script so she could actually work to that script in the meeting. I actually sat in on the conversation just in case it went off track and she needed help to pull it back on. But she managed it herself and when she finished and the employee left she gave me a huge hug and the outcome was that the employee exited peacefully and our client did not receive an unfair dismissal complaint. Now just as another quick tip your complaints will come in within three weeks if they're going to come so it's important to know how what the timing is. So what next? As you heard earlier, I was not <laughs> once known as the angel of death. So making 50 people redundant after I arrived in the UK. So I have done a lot of these conversations, more than I care to remember. But I do know what works and what doesn't work. And just importantly, how important preparation and practice is. And you get better at these. You do a couple of them and you get better. You learn from your mistakes. And I think if you go in there with trying to be professional, trying to be empathetic, not being over the top because that's not going to help them. They're just going to go, well, you don't know how I feel. You're not sitting here. But I think these are really important for you to get right. So I'm going to help you make a decision to get these results or keep doing what you're doing. So let's talk about breaches and what it will cost you. Costs of breaches are expensive. So let's go into a little bit of detail here. I want you to imagine how you might feel, and this is how it happens. You receive an email requesting your attendance at a mediation session to hear the matter regarding the unfair dismissal complaint 
from George. And you know the reality is you probably didn't terminate him legally. You don't have the time to fill out the eight pages of documentation that you need to complete before you actually attend the meeting. And nor, quite frankly, can you afford a day out of the office to actually go to mediation especially when you know that conservatively, George has probably already cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars in errors and lost productivity. And I would suggest to most of your listeners, I can give you some formulae on how to work out that productivity. And it can be quite scary when you realize really what's happening here. Essentially, you're probably a bit cranky because you know you just snapped. Often we find our clients, David, don't do performance management well, and then they've been putting up with it for so long, and then they just snap and just say, get out and they effectively illegally fire, fire them after putting up with that poor performance for so long. And the reality is you're probably going to pay for that error. You don't have the time to attend a mediation. You're already short on resources because you don't have George. Even though George wasn't a good performer, it's the last thing you need. And the reality is that this guy deserved to be fired, in your opinion, as he's been you know, not performing for a long time. So for many business owners, there is a frustration that running a business is hard enough and yet there's this other risk of having to pay out a non-performer. Let's be really clear here. This is not a great performer just because you forgot to offer a support person and it doesn't change the fact that they couldn't do their job. So you know what this probably means is that most of you are going to end up paying for a breach. You might have to pay some legal fees and you're going to lose time in the office. So let's talk about how we can find some other ways that you can fail that unfair dismissal test. So you need to give the employee an opportunity to respond, which we've covered very well. And the next thing is, in order to avoid an unfair dismissal test, you actually have to make the the objectives, the performance objectives reasonable. Now, why should you be bothered with all of this? The reason is that if a dismissal is deemed to be unfair, unjust or unreasonable, then the employee could be awarded up to six months salary and or reinstatement. Reinstatement means you've got to give them the job back which most employers after they've been through this really don't want to do. And I have to let you know that Fair Work do have a strong preference for giving the job back, especially if the individual is over 45 and the relationship is not damaged beyond repair. And the reason for that is that, again, if the employer is employee is over 45, it will be harder for them to find another job. So I can, I, I can get you to estimate that your costs are going to be significantly more expensive because they're going to have to you're going to have to compensate them for the the fact that it's going to take them longer to find a job so we developed what happened was we wanted to talk to our clients to make them realize what a complaint with fair work is going to cost them my concern was business owners weren't taking it seriously enough they weren't aware of their obligations but secondly they were totally oblivious to what some of the costs could be if you got this wrong. So essentially what we've done here is build a little calculator to work out what you're using your rate of pay, what sort of costs are available here. So I'm just going to run through this quickly, but say, for example, let's put this down to a more reasonable amount. Say, for example, my num lock on, I make this 50. If I make your hourly rate 50, and we'll leave this as the same, they're on 55K plus super, which is that 60K, and we scroll down to the bottom. If they get the full six months plus all of the time that it's going to cost you and incidentals and legal fees, you could potentially get a fine of $49,000. Sorry, the fine would be different to that, but the total cost is $49,000. So I think for most people, hopefully, that will make people much more readily really willing and able to to make sure we get this stuff right. All right, so what does the cost look like for them? So an employee can make a complaint very easily. It's a call to fair work. The employee just calls fair work. They pay $69.80 to lodge a complaint within three weeks. So there's very little barrier for entry here. And if they potentially know six months salary might be forthcoming and they may even get their job back, they may be willing to have it a go. So, And if they don't know, their friends and family definitely know this stuff. So it's really important. Any comments on that, David, before I move on to the next section? No, no, really, really clear. And I know um, we talked uh, just prior to recording as well, you might have a couple of additional hand a- handouts as well to probably Absolutely. maybe even, yeah, like uh, I know you have a handout around the flow of that performance management meeting. I mean, we can talk about a couple of what, what might suit. 
Yeah, I think one of the best things is we've actually done a performance management guide, which has those steps, but much more. So it's it's meant to be given to a business owner to go, oops, I've got one of those problems. Okay, where's my instruction booklet to make sure I keep on track? So I think Perfect. that would probably be best for everyone. Okay, so as you've now seen how much an unfair dismissal case can cost you, I'm going to help you, you know, make some decisions about how to get better at this, or you can decide to run the risk of a sort of a $47,000 issue. My view is that this is a numbers game, and the more employees you get, the more risk you have, and employees are definitely becoming, David, a lot more cluey about their rights, and as I touched on before, if they're not, their friends and family certainly are. So from my point of view, I'm not sure why you chose to listen to this recording today. It might be because you're finding managing employees more difficult than you thought, or you need to fire someone, or you need to de-risk a termination or a discussion. And I'm really hoping that you got, I tried to jam pack incredible value into this webinar, but as you would imagine, an hour is not enough time to help you fully. So as I said at the beginning of the call, there is a way that we can assist you more. So I imagine for most of you, you would like to move from risk to risk-free, from complex to easy, and then from costing you money to actually saving you money. But I think the lessons I'd like you guys to take away from here is know that ignorance is not a defense. And I know many small businesses think that they'll get a certain amount of leeway, but I'm afraid that's just not the case. Fair Work's been in place now uh, seven years, and I have to say the Fair Work Ombudsman's patience is starting to wear thin. So we don't have the latitude that we used to have. The second lesson I'd like you to take away is that you can and you should exit employees from your business, whether it's performance-related, misconduct or redundancy. But remember, large corporates can afford non-performers. It's not great, but it's manageable. You as a business owner or a small business owner can't. And I think I'd love you to remember what the costs of lack of productivity are. If we use a salary of $60,000 for a non-performer who's working at, say, 75% capacity, that's costing you $15,000 per annum. Now, if you've got a few of those, those costs are starting to really rack up and not to mention the impact on the other team members that see that that individual is is really getting away with that non-performance. The third lesson I'd like you to take away from this is that employees can make or break your business. Make sure you get the most out of your recruitment spend and that you hire great people and that if they don't fit, move them on. Big tip here, you have something called probation. Probation can be up to six months, which means you can try before you, well, you trial somebody. And what that means is that if somebody is in your business in under six months and they're not working out, you can exit them for just paying a, mo- a week's uh, salary. Now, you could do that termination incredibly badly. I would encourage you not to. I would actually encourage you to practice on those low-risk probation people because they can't take you from fair dismissal. But absolutely make sure you improve your interview skills and recruitment. And as I was touching on earlier, it is a very tight applicant market. You don't want to – it's much better if you can – convert the performance back to being the required level so you don't have to exit them from your business. That's a much better outcome and it does happen. So how could you get these results exiting a non-performer without getting sued? I think the first thing you can do, you could either get a HR manager hire a HR manager, you could get expensive legal advice or you could get a consultant in to help you. And I think there's a couple of ways you can do this. You can choose to do it the slow way or the fast way. The slow way could result in a breach if it's not deemed to be a reasonable process. Or you could invest a sizable chunk of your time to work out how to do this or you can go with some tried and tested methodologies. So I mentioned that I had an option for you guys. Our option is our hire to fire toolkit which takes all of the pain out of this but this toolkit isn't for everyone. So it's not for you if you don't want to take the time to do this properly. It's not for you if you don't really care about your employees and it's not for you if you don't care about your legal obligations. And the other two people that it wouldn't be for is if you don't have any employees or if you're a large corporate. It's not designed for that. But why did I design this? I think over many, many years as a HR professional and meeting hundreds of business owners, I realised there was the need for this tool because business owners are worried about getting this wrong. They're worried about getting into trouble and if all this tool did was save you a fine of up to six months salary for an employee, then I think that would be helpful. 
they feel like they're not up to date, they feel like they lack the time to write or source this information and they're losing focus on growing their business. And the last thing is they lack the money to afford a, a HR manager and the reality is often businesses of these levels, David, don't need someone full-time but they do need someone and they want a cost-effective and timely solution. So what the toolkit does is it basically gives you all of the access to the templates and accompanying HR guides, that performance management guide we talked about, to manage a non-performer. And it also gives you all the policies that you're going to need, such as a workplace health and safety policy, which just for your listeners is the only mandatory policy you must have in Australia. So that would tick that off your to-do list. The current fine for not having a workplace health and safety policy is potentially about $6,000. So again, it gives you that that cover. The next thing is we actually give you access to weekly webinars to learn more and ask some questions. So you can jump on to ask an employee expert. You can have someone with 25 years providing you with guidance or coaching. And we've long been hearing from our clients, I want to know what's in your head, Natasha. So on the alternate week, we have a 40-week curriculum of training around our nine-step employee life cycle to help you hire better, manage better, and if required, fire better. And you also get a copy of my book, a hard copy of my book signed. So that was designed to become a dog-eared companion for business owners when they have to have difficult conversations or they're not sure of their legal obligations. So it's normally $49 per month, but you guys are special. So if you pop in this Save Me 20% voucher code, you will get it for a discount. And the discount is, I'll come up to that in a minute, I just wanted to let you know about the guarantee. The guarantee is if after four months you you don't feel you're getting value, which I'd be incredibly surprised at, you can cancel your membership with no penalty. So you'll have only spent um, $198 there and the value of this toolkit would be valued at thousands of dollars in terms of what it can save you. This deal is only going to be for people who are on this webinar and if you get that code, you can pop that in and essentially what that will give you it is, I've missed the price there, sorry, $39.75 per month. So it's a significant cost saving for, for business owners. And that just leaves me to the end to say we are going to get some great products to you. I will hand those to David and we'll be able to share those with you. I would like to thank you for investing your time. I know you're really busy people. I hope you got some incredible value out of this session. If you want to keep in touch, please do connect with me on social media. I'm sure David's got a lot of our contact details. And, you know, I think in closing, my name's Natasha Hawker and, and remember your employees really do matter. Thanks, David. Perfect. Yes, that was a fantastic session. And again, one of those areas that uh, not very well covered by a lot of business owners, but something that everybody will come up against at some point as they grow their business. So I'll have all of the details for your contact. So just down below there, we'll link through. We'll have some additional supporting notes as well. We'll uh, put together a little bit of the step-by-step process that you covered as far as how to prepare and then lead up to that performance management meeting. Management meeting plus, we'll also have the additional handouts that you've got. And people, when they want to take it that next step, they'll uh, they'll know where to go, and they've got all your contact details. So, thank you very much for your time, Natasha. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, David, and all the best. You've just been listening to the System Hub podcast. Remember, we've documented this system for you, so you can literally swipe and deploy it within your business. Head to www.systemhub.com forward slash podcast to download it now.